Hello, hello. Welcome to Words and Voices, a little sanctuary, a quiet nook where you'll hear hard, raw, and humbling conversations with some of the best humans elevating humanity. This is for the round pegs and square holes, the misfits, oddballs, weirdos, tinkerers, and thinkers who dig a simple philosophy that one word, one message, one idea, and one voice can change the world. So, without further ado, here's our chief mischief maker, Neelam Tawar. Hello, hello, it's Neelam Tawar. Welcome to Words and Voices. I have got yet another amazing human, Tim McCauley, on the show. You're going to love what he has to say. Just a little quick thing about Tim is he's a straight shooter. You are going to absolutely love listening to his viewpoint. He'd spent a better part of his youth in his 20s especially, with addiction and a hedonistic pleasure. And he realized at age 28, when he was at the doctor's and he was given an ultimatum, like, hey, quit or you're going to be dead by August. So that led him to start rethinking his life a little bit. Not just that, but you listen to him, you're going to love the texture and nuance he can put on any situation. And you're going to feel heard when you listen to what he has to say. And he's like I said, like with many people that I resonate with, he is a straight shooter and gentle and kind. And I really, really hope you take in whatever he has to say here. And please do make sure you follow him. He's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, wherever you put his name, you're going to find him and you're going to love, love, love his vibe. So without further ado, here's our conversation for you. There has been, since the beginning of time, a war for attention. And that's it. If you learn how to control your attention, you can relax your body and mind, feed the animals. So we need water, we need macronutrients and micronutrients, and we need to procreate, we need to poop. Like if we focus on that, is that okay? Then we can come into the social connections. What do we need? We need connection, we need love, we need to be heard, and we need to be felt. Okay. Once you find out what you need, Stop looking for that anywhere and start giving that to everyone. You need to feel heard, so go listen to people. You need to feel loved, go love people. You need to feel connected, go connect with people. Not for what you can get out of them, but what you can give to them in that moment. And one moment of love, one moment of connection. If you do that, you won't have to answer the question that you started out with because the question you started out with has no answer. That's a fool's errand. That's a snipe hunt. If you look at what your body needs physiologically to be safe and you create that safety for yourself, then you understand the rules of society that you're in. You don't have to agree with them. You have to understand how they play and how they create a social hierarchy. Once you see how the social hierarchy of whatever you're doing actually works, you will see that there are leaders and followers. You will see that there are influencers. And once you understand that, you can go in and have conversations with the influencers and you can do a bellwether effect and get the herd to move the way you want them to move. You can have the conversation you want to have. You don't need to get permission to have a platform. You don't need to get permission to have a conversation but you need to get your own attention under control before you go out and try to change the world. Because if you haven't mastered that, which I haven't, so 
don't think that I'm some master. It's, it's not me. But that's what I'm working on. The Self-Realization Center. That's where this all started on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. <laughs> I have two questions for you, okay? One is men and masculinity in this, this day and age. I just did a post on Twitter yesterday or day before yesterday. I don't remember, but I did something around like, I've never called myself a feminist really because I just, I don't see separation between genders. Because my parents, my dad didn't raise me that way. I was given, of course, you know, they made sure I was safe, you know, as a girl and who was raised in Africa and in a small town. That's the general kind of protection any parent gives you, right? But beyond that, like I was, my parents, I've been very fortunate. I'm brown and I'm a girl and I'm traveling and doing my, like all over the world and whatnot. There's stipulations on certain people just like me. I'm, I'm blessed for sure. I said something to the effect that, you know, for me, what I struggle with these days is that when you use the feminist word or you talk about equality, it's so engendered, you know, and it almost feels like we're creating more division even here than we need to. And there's more anger and rage on both sides to some extent. And I think one of the things I've loved about you, I'm telling you this from the moment I first time I saw you, I was like, oh, so wait, guys can be like that? Like, and I have a lot of guys, yeah. and don't get me wrong, you know what I mean? Like, you can have someone who has transformed their lives as well, of course, but then has an understanding of their own gender, but then the responsibility that comes with it, knowing better, right? Mm. So I guess the question is, <laughs> how do you see that? Like, how do you see that changing? Because, you know, there's technology in play, there's independence in play with, with women and men equally ha- having options and choices to do things differently. Do you think society structure changes in the future, but more importantly, to the men who might be listening, like what is any kind of thought that you might be having that you would like to share? So I grew up in Southeastern Ohio, kind of about 800 people. It's called Appalachia. Do you understand what Appalachia means? It's a different culture, different. different yes, sir. Area. I had one uncle who I'm pretty sure if you saw him in the woods in Southeastern Ohio and you were too far away, you would think he was Sasquatch because he was a giant, like six foot, just a big beast of a man. He was a bit of an outlaw, lived by his own set of rules, which a lot of people in Southeastern Ohio did as well because there wasn't much law where I grew up. And the law that was there was pretty corrupt. So if you knew the rules that you needed to play by, you could get away with just about anything. So I hung out with a bunch of bikers when I was a kid. Before I got into the actual biker gang, someone asked me if I wanted to go to college. And I was like, no, but they said it would be a party up there that involved some hallucinogens. And I was like, yeah, I'll go do that instead of... So the the biker gang actually went somewhere else and they ended up in a Rico case. And I should have been there that weekend, but I went in that direction. Back to the uncle. My uncle, the manly man that he was, recognized that I wasn't like most men at a very young age. I feel things. I have an emotional palate that is very feminine. So until I was 35 years old, my uncle called me Tammy instead of Timmy. And in the presence of my uncle, everyone else, all of my male cousins had to call me Tammy as well. They had to call you. Because he was the alpha dog in the family. He was alpha. So I was Tammy my whole life. I grew up with that, that it wasn't okay for me to be who I am 
And I'm not saying that being emotionally charged the way I am, almost bipolar and having emotions at the depth that I do is okay, because it's pretty prohibitive, to be honest. More stoic type of manliness, I never learned because I always had this version of masked manliness. Because the people that wanted me to fit a mold of what a man should be, later when I became who I wanted to be, I looked at them and was like, why would I ever want them to be my role models? Like, I don't want to be somebody who makes his wife be under that. I don't want to be a person that doesn't let other people be themselves and that bullies them around and that is so insecure that he has to use physical violence to make him feel safe. Like that was what I was fighting against my whole life. So when I see this kind of men's rights push against femininity, I actually see it like that. So it's hard for me to have that conversation with a lot of the other people out there having these conversations because I feel like they have this vision, this little child in them saw a masculine person who hunted and fished and did all these things when they were a kid, or they thought of Marcus Aurelius from Gladiator and they're like, I'm a manly man. And that's who they built themselves to be. And I feel like they miss a very valuable piece of themselves along the way. And maybe they don't have that depth. Maybe they don't have it. But Jungian psychology seems to believe or see this, that there's a shadow self in all of us. We have a feminine and a masculine side in it for any of us to build an actual adult structure so that we're not allowing these childlike versions of who we should be, the mask, the persona that we wanted to build when we were kids rule us, we have to understand that there is this fluidness of gender in us. And I'm not saying that there's not a manly version and a feminine version, but I'm saying that all of the rules that we're arguing against are literally societal rules. Like if you break it down, like, why do I got to learn? Look, there's a grocery store down the street. I don't need to hunt or fish. I know how to because I grew up where I grew up. You know, I can spit beech nut in that dude's eye just like any other country boy out there. I grew up fishing and hunting and doing all of that stuff. But I don't wear a beard because it makes me feel manly. I wear a beard because it makes my wife feel better because I have a baby face <laughs> and it makes her feel like a cougar when she's around me. <laughs> so it makes me look more masculine to her. You know what I mean? It makes. <laughs> I initially grew the beard because I hated looking at my own face. So having those conversations, yeah, we kind of need to have the conversation because there are some men who have a a really weird version of what masculinity is. And we might want to label that toxic masculinity. I hate that word. I hate that conversation. There's some women that had to fight against patriarchy so much that they built this thing called feminism. And it's two systems fighting against each other. A patriarchal idea that for whatever reason, because I'm bigger and stronger than you, I'm smarter than you and I can lead better than you, is just not true. It's just not. We have enough science to back up that women in leadership roles is is equally as valuable. And we need to balance this out. 
You know, we need to balance the feminine and masculine in leadership roles everywhere because you got feminine brains and I have a feminine brain. So I think more feminine than I do masculine most of the time. Is that why Um, we get along? Because I think I might have a masculine brain. I think that's that's the thing is that I have to own my own masculinity. So if, if there's a guy out there that's like, wait, what the hell's going on? It boils down to this man up and don't be a little bitch for me, was shame-producing for the longest time. I understand what they're saying now, and they're right. You need to man up a little bit. You need to stop being a little bitch. But if you're wired like me, that's a very hard thing to do. Stop being Tammy. When our dog died, I cried more than my wife did. I'm just wired that I feel things. I I experience things so deeply. It it's, touches my core and it breaks me in half. I love it. For the longest time, I thought there was something defective of me. And now I'm like, you guys don't feel this? <laughs> like you're missing out on the best parts of life because when I kiss, I'm there, you know? But I think it's so interesting you bring that up because I think, you know, there's a piece of poetry by Nehria Vahid. It's a simple line. And she says, when I see femininity in a man, it means I don't need to carry that weight myself. Oh, I love that. It's so beautiful. It's so poignant. It's, I think I might even have it on an Instagram picture that I took. It must be like about at least two years that. old. It's so beautiful, but you can see the depth in which she's like culminated that one central thought. And I think what I'm hearing in all of this, though, is that when we see men, and this is why I brought it up too, and I knew you would have some texture to this because it allows women like me to also feel comfortable in our own sense of drive. Or what could be considered like, why are you being a dude? Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. but then I see men struggling with the other side of it too, because that spectrum is not always understood and embraced. And society labels a certain type of stereotypical behavior on men too, correct? Mm-hmm. So I yeah, see it with women yeah. too. And I don't know if this is ever going to tie up, but I'm going to share it because when I was writing short stories, and I will get back to that, I know in my lifetime, I had someone who looked at the piece of writing and said that. He compared it to someone phenomenal that I don't come anywhere close to, by the way. Is that when you quit writing? <laughs> yeah, probably around that time, probably. A year. <laughs> I don't know. That's um, usually how it works. Thanks, man. <laughs> thanks for going straight for the jugular there. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> cut and bleeding. But he said to me that he's like, when you write, there are certain writers who are able to write and you write genderless. So, both a feminine, like if it is a guy, you, could, you know, I'm going to say feminine, not boy, but I'm going to say feminine and masculinity in anybody is catered to. And I found that so interesting because, I mean, in hindsight, I find it even more interesting because I think that's maybe my worldview a little bit because I was, I was raised around boys. Like my closest friends are boys. My team right now is all dudes. But, but every one of them, I'm just looking at the list of people, they all are just kind, gentle and let me access men in like a very different way, right? Without labeling them any any which way. And they're fantastic at what they do, but they also extract a certain kind of patience in me because I'm like, let's just get it done. Why are we going through this thing? <laughs> I'm direct. And so they're teaching me that. I don't know if this is making sense. Is it making sense? Yeah. I don't know, but I'm sharing it with you. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. There's a book, it's called King, Warrior, Lover, and Magician. It's about uh, the four different archetypal processes i think that if any man reads that they're going to see whether or not they're being the king of their own life and we have default mechanisms like there's a mama's boy in all of us 
on the other side, there's a high chair tyrant. And when you see these broken parts of masculinity and how they play out in that book, you can actually identify where you're at with it and then start to realize that one, most of societal definitions of what a man should be aren't applicable to everybody. Think about it in historical perspectives. In ancient Greece, they had Athenians and they had Spartans. Now, every man can't be a Spartan. This is yeah. not how it works. And society doesn't work like that. Like we need Spartans. We do. Because there's other people that are wired as warriors and have that warrior gene in them. And if we don't have Spartans protecting the gates, those people will destroy us. You know, if we don't have people that are going to hunt down terrorists, that's a dynamic. That's a reality, you know? So again, I keep saying it over and over again, and it's maybe the wine aficionado in me, even though I'm sober now, reality is an acquired taste. There's nuance and distinctions that we all make. We need to understand why we have those nuances and distinctions and think, hey, is that my rule or did someone just give me that? And if you do that, you unravel that little piece of it and realize that there's really no rules and there's really no gatekeepers. There's no stamp of approval society. And that's what we're looking for. I'm looking for, well, what are the rules that I need to follow to to be me? Nobody gets to make rules to be Neelam. That's your job. You get to make your own damn rules. And once we start to unravel the fact that most of the time what we're doing is idealizing and we're trying to live up to an idealized version of self, we'll never do that. If you get more real with who you are, you'll surpass the idealization you have. Here's an example. 2013, I woke up. I'd been Mr. Self-Help Guy. I deleted my email list because I was living in a trailer when you first met me for a year by choice to help my dad recover from being a hoarder and depression and all of that. And I was celibate because I was terrible at relationships. I was really good at the beginning. Like I'm Mr. Fun Time at the beginning. Like I make you feel loved and appreciated. But when it starts to get a little vulnerable, I'm like any other narcissist on the planet. I will gaslight the hell out of you. And that's who I was back then. So I realized that I keep having the same relationship over and over again, and I needed to heal me first. So I went 2010 to 2013 celibate. That is depressing as hell because sex is so fun. Okay. But I was celibate living in the only place that I never wanted to live, Southeastern Ohio, because I grew up there and I hated it. I did not fit in. It must have made it easier, though. <laughs> Probably have the cause. Well, it made it easier because I realized this at that time. There were once I got there, there were so many beautiful women that didn't ah. fit what I thought were Southeast Ohio women. Like there's so many. Like there's a few women back then that the reason that I didn't try to pursue a relationship with them was because I knew that I would never be able to leave Ohio, and I wasn't willing to do that. <laughs> so I literally like. I was celibate and single so much and a bartender that everybody in town thought I was gay. Oh, good for you. So no one hit on you. (laughs) Like they were always like girls were throwing themselves at me just to see which one could get. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. Well, three years of that, I wake up on my 37th birthday and I just felt like such a loser. Like I was a bartender. I'd never done anything good with my life. Yeah. I wrote a book, but it sucked. You know, I had all of this shit pile up on me and I was just, I just hyperventilating in my car at the, at the lake. 
And I just stopped trying to escape Groundhog Day. And I was like, you know what? If I'm not going to be happy here in the worst place on the planet for me, like I hate this place. I'm never going to be happy. So I just was like, fuck it. Threw away all my goals, all of it. I just pressed pause on all of it. And I was like, okay, I, here's the reality. I got a paddleboard. I live by a lake. I rent a trailer for $200 a month with my dad. I suck at relationships. And I'm a bartender on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. How can I enjoy my life now? And then I just started deleting things from my life, like just pulling out, like taking a different route to work, not getting on Facebook so much, but I still still on Facebook, you know, uh, doing it at different times, stopped watching the news so much. I did it one day a week and I went out paddleboarding on every day off that I had uh, at a certain time. So I'd wake up in the morning, look at the weather and I just paddled, woke up in the morning and I started writing and about a month into it, I was like, huh, I like who I am. It felt like that wave that I got onto in Southern California. And I was like, okay, so here's the deal. I want to be this guy. Like, I don't care what anyone else thinks. Like, whatever your definition of manliness is, I don't give a shit. I have a penis. I'm a man. I also cry, so I'm a little bitch too. I'm good with it. Whatever. But that's who I am. That's how I feel. I savor life, you know? And then I thought, hmm, but I don't like not having sex. So I can either be Mr. Right now, you know, and be like, hey, we're never going to have a relationship because I'm not that guy. I'm this guy. I'm the guy that has fun. And then once feelings get involved, I'm going to send you packing. So if you don't want to have a committed relationship, but you want to have a lot of good sex and a lot of fun, I'm your guy right here. Because I need my alone time. I don't want to be connected with anybody. You know, I was like, okay, I'm good being that guy. But if I wasn't that guy, then who would I be? Like, what type of woman would I need to be in so that I could be fun time Timmy, but also be in a committed and loving relationship? And what would that look like? So I actually worked with a really close friend of mine on that. Who would I need to be to be who I am at my best? And what type of woman is going to bring out my best in me so that I can bring out the best in her? And that's the relationship I want to have. And if I can't have that, there's a lot of people that are like into non-committal relationships. I'm not that bad looking of a guy. I've been a bartender my whole life. I'm pretty adept at social scenes. I can get laid if I need to. I can have a conversation go, look, are you looking for a relationship? Oh, yeah. No, I'm not your guy. You're not yeah. looking for a relationship and you have no problem with casual sex. You don't think that's sinful, right? You're okay with spankings. Okay. All right, let's do this. And then as long as two adults come to an agreement of what their relationship should be like, it doesn't have to be toxic. Like I can have random hookup flings with people. And if it gets to a different point, I can have a conversation at that point. I don't have to plan out the whole thing. So I actually thought my wife was going to be a weekend fling. And I spent the weekend with her and I was like, wow, she seems a lot like that woman that, you know, because here's the deal. I, I said, if I find this woman here, bets are off. I don't want like, yeah, the animal in me wants to go spread my seed, but really I want a deep emotional connection. I want to be able to be who I am and be accepted for that yeah. at my worst and at my best. 
So I put my worst foot forward with her on the weekend. We just hung out and I got home and my dad was like, how was it? I was like, man, she didn't annoy me once. And he goes, you should marry her. I was like, why? And he goes, everyone annoys you, kid. (laughs) And that's a lesson though. If everyone annoys you, it's because you don't really know you. You don't really know the self that is impenetrable. The self that doesn't need defending. There is that self in all of us. Unfortunately, our brains aren't wired to be in touch with that part of you. Our brains are wired to think that that feeling right before you meet yourself, that vulnerability, that feeling that we have to shut it back down and we can't feel that that repression that you were talking about earlier, that part of us is literally running the show 60% of the time. And if we don't learn how to just be happy and comfortable in our own skin first, none of this other stuff is going to ever manifest the way that we think it should or could. The relationship will never be what it's like. Once I got there and now I look back, I've been with my wife. This is our eighth Thanksgiving together. I look back at the guy that was crying on the beach that was a loser. No one would ever love him. Like no one would ever love that guy. That was true because I look back and I'm like, yeah, completely unlovable, dude. Like, why do you act like such a douchebag all the time? What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, get your head out of your ass. Stop. Just stop. Stop trying to be somewhere else. Like, just relax. After you get past the uncomfortability of being in your own skin, that tug of war that you feel of space time, um, what about the past? What about the past? Oh my God, I haven't gotten far enough in the future. What about the past? That's the tug. And you bring yourself and pull yourself together and find out that there's no point to it. There's nothing really going on here other than these stories that we keep making up in our head. We're all going to be dead soon and no one's going to remember us. Like take the pressure off of living and live and see what happens. And it just kind of, it's a different conversation. You see what I'm saying? Like, I can't have that conversation with most people because I think that it's their mask having that conversation. If your definition of masculinity can be attacked and it needs defended, good luck with it. Like, grow Mm. your beard longer, I guess, and, you know, put a deer head on the wall. I don't know. But the reality is, is that you can definitely look at my life and attack any part of it that you want. Because if it doesn't fit your idealization of who I should be, then yeah, point at it. It's wrong, I guess. I don't know. But you don't live in my skin and you don't get to determine what's right for me. I do. Now, I have an idealization of what's right for me. So if I look at my bank account too long, I'm going to be like, oh my God, no one should be listening to me because I'm not a millionaire yet or I'm not not a billionaire yet. Blah, 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 blah. And then I'll convince myself not to have this conversation with you. But the reality is, is we don't know. Let's start there. We don't really know. We have some guesses. We have some data that kind of points to some truths. But we don't really know. What we do know is this. We're social primates. We need to breathe. We need to be hydrated. We need to eat good food and we need to feel safe inside. That's it. Other than that, it's all nuances. It's all distinctions. And if you want to argue about little distinctions, then you're going to turn into a wine snob. You ever seen a wine snob? 
they'll do this number here. You can put anything into a wine bottle with the right label on it, and a wine snob will think that vinegar is the finest wine they've ever had because they believe that they're so smart. You can put a $4 bottle of wine into a $200 bottle of wine and a wine snob will think they're drinking a $200 bottle of wine. Even though they know what to look for, know what the distinctions are, because the reality is, is that if you're looking for it, you will find it. Stupid people can tell the difference between good wine and bad wine. People that don't know the distinctions can tell the difference between a drinkable wine and a shitty wine. Dumb people will pay hundreds and thousands of dollars for shitty wine. I learned that working in one of the best bars in Vegas. (laughs) Stupid people will buy shitty wine and you can help stupid people become smarter by showing them the best wine for their palates, for their meal. And it's all contextual. Everything's food. I'm always looking for unami, that savoriness of life. Sunsets. I don't drink wine anymore, but thank God for non-alcoholic wine. Uh, Slow kisses. You know, the stuff that really matters, you know, this. Anyhow, that's my story. I love your story. I don't know what to do. I was going to ask you to leave us with a message and you already did it. But I hope you come back someday whenever you feel like having a chat here again. And I'll come back anytime and talk to you. (laughs) Whether you want to record it or just have a conversation. I feel so cool. I just feel so good. The two conversations we've had. The first time I connected with you and spoke with you and it was so organic. And I, I, you know, for me, it's just like, if it doesn't fill my heart up, I just don't do it anymore. I I need a good start. You know, it should fill me up. And this space has been created specifically for that so that Mm -hmm. I can, this is the place where I, I don't even need to escape because the people who come here and have these types of conversations are just to treat it themselves. I could listen to you for five hours straight. I know I will learn things. And I've already got a notebook filled with notes here, on, you know, from just you talking. And it's the simple things. It's the things that matter. The breathing part of it, being around people we love, the long walks, the slow kisses, the long silences. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Why not? George Bernard Shaw, some men see things the way they are and ask why. I see the things the way they are and ask, why not? Like, why can't we create this better? I don't want to fight for the way things are. I want to fight for the way things could be. And the way things could be are simple. Like, it could be this. Hey, I don't know you. I don't know what you've been through. You don't have to prove yourself to me. We might not resonate. We might not want to play the same games. Like, I'm a paddleboarder. If you don't paddleboard, we're not going on the lake together. But that's okay. And everything's like that. Your religion, your point of view, it's valid to you. I'm not trying to invalidate you. You be you. And let me be me. I don't need to prove myself to you. I don't need your validation. You don't need mine. But we can look at each other as different as we are and go, hey, I like that shit. Yeah, I like that shit, dude. I mean, we're definitely very different. Right? Right? I like that shit. Right? Yeah. Because the reality is, is there is, like, it just is. Just go and do you. Because here's the thing. We're tribal. If you have something in your heart that you want out there, stop arguing with everybody that says that's not the way things should be. 
preach to the choir. Your choir and my choir might be different, but if we all come from the place where I'm talking about where it's just love, it'll end up the way it needs to, not the way I want it to be. It'll be what it is, and then I can enjoy what it is. Just stop getting in your own way with that. Just say what you want to say. Who cares if somebody, guess what? There's people on this planet that hate Gandhi. Let's get started there. <laughs> I know, God. But, We've talked but, about this so much, but we won't we will do a political one. But, How about we do a- No, I don't want <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to talk politics right now. Maybe in a few years when I'm more centered in who I am as a person yeah. and I have I've done a few more things that, that I can talk and people will actually listen to. I would hold space for that hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely talk at some point. Because yeah. I, I do want to be political at some point because we need to destroy everything in this world. The way it is, is not the way it could be. And technology is going to steal our brains if we don't stop it. We have to control this. I want to leave with this, definitely. Okay. Everything that we see is a product of the human imagination and human attention. Everything. If you, whoever's listening, Learn how to control your attention better than everybody else is controlling your attention. You will win life. You will experience life at a completely different level. The person that can hold attention for longest always wins. Think about that in context of creativity, of music, of politics, of parenting. Whoever has the attention wins. That's Every company that you see, brokers and attention. Every movement that you see is because one person is holding the space of possibility and has the attention of other people. Your job is to hold your own attention and to find where you resonate with other people who are holding that same space. Don't let them lead you. You lead yourself by holding your attention. Breathe, pay attention to what matters and go create what matters to you because life is short. You could be dead soon. Ah, I love that word. Now I'm going to go. We'll keep talking if I stay. Namaste. Namaste. Thanks so much for stopping by Words and Voices with Neelam Tawar. We can't wait to see you again with another voice and more words from game changers, movers and shakers and quiet visionaries creating a dent in the world. Oh, and please don't forget to comment and share what resonated with you here or on info at neelamtawar.com. Till we meet next, and as Neelam says, be good to you.